Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mystery on the rocks. Oh, yeah. Mystery on. The rocks, yeah, mystery on the rocks, yeah. And welcome to another episode of Mystery on the Rocks, the show where unsolved true mysteries and cocktails collide into a fantastic explosion of brilliance in your ears. That may be the second worst one. <laughs> With was me the worst one? I don't remember, but I know it was bad. Really bad, um, worse than that. It was worse than that. That one was fine. That felt like I yeah. had a gun to my head from our corporate <laughs> sponsors. And they're like, say <laughs> this. I'm like, oh, all right. Um, with me as always is the fantastic Suze Kempner. Hi, I'm Suze. And the brilliant Chris Stokes. Representing the sponsors. Say <laughs> <laughs> it again, Suze. We didn't quite get it. Oh Christ! Uh, is it's Casper mattresses? It's Mister on the Rocks. It's a show where you drink. We drink cocktails. You listen to us talk mysteries. You're welcome. There we go. <laughs> That's the better welcome, one. Welcome, America. Um, how were your New Year's? I guess it, this will go out quite late after New Year's, but we're recording um, it. This just will go after out on what's the date? What's the date? Four. This will go out on the thirteenth of January. Okay. okay. So, um, happy new year. Happy new year. uh, I think you have all of January to do that. And then after January, no. Done. No more. more. Because you're not going to meet all your mates. I'm going to keep it going. I'm going to see how many times. (laughs) Chris in April. (laughs) Happy new year. Happy new year. Yeah, to new people. (laughs) Happy new year, mate. What? (laughs) He's waiting to see who questions it and who just goes. The thing is, though. Sure, yeah, hi. I don't think anyone will question. No, they'll be like they won't. They'll go. No, he's a bit. Yeah, somebody might go. That bloke today. He said Happy New Year, but Mm. that's that's it. Is it that bloke today? Said Happy New Year. And you know what? I think I think it's the guy who called me a fat gay. He didn't (laughs) recognise me because I've lost a lot of weight, (laughs) so he thought it was. I'm pretty sure it's him. Excuse me, are you the fat gay vegan? Happy New Year. <laughs> um, what are we drinking today, guys? What have we got? I'm, I'm, I'm going to do something that I haven't tried yet. It's a toy I got for Christmas that I haven't played with. This is rum that's made mm. from discarded banana peels. Wow. Oh, my God. And it tastes, like, c- quite banana-y. It has yeah. nacello in it and then mm-hmm. some mm. aromatic... Um, no, Jerry Thomas bitters, which I think you can just use Angostura, to be honest. Oh, yeah, What's yeah, yes. Jerry Thomas bitters? But, it's just um, a different brand, isn't it? Yeah. That, yeah. Um, okay. But with um, all together, because Nacello is walnut liqueur, mm. and the rum has a very banana-y character. It tastes like banana bread. Oh yeah, uh. hey, that's a good one. But I got given for Christmas some like wood chips, a little thing to put them in, yeah, and a little 
For the audience who are is not watching this, like with their eyes, um, there it, it looks like a like a grinder for weed. His little it does. <laughs> so I'm going to pop. Chris, Chris is about pop to hit, in, and then you pop that. You pop this little thing here in the top of the glass. Oh, and, and it smokes s- inside the glass. Yeah, yeah. So you smoke it in the glass. So I'll do. I, Holy I would shit! Do that's that. incredible. So the wood, the wood chips are in there. What that is that called? You have like to send that. me that because that's that's a good culinary thing as well. That's fucking incredible. And then I'll light these with the blowtorch, and then it's got its little lid to go on top of it, and then it'll smoke. Oh my god! This is so cool. This is so cool. I was contemplating getting a smoking gun myself with a little. So you can see it in clothes. the glass. Look. Holy shit! Yeah. That's cool. Oh my god! <gasps> look at Chris that. Chris is smoking that drink. And He's I haven't that tried drink. this yet. I'm Ooh, try- I mean, this is the first time I've tried it. That's so cool. Still all, it's still all swirling about in there. I can That's see. So cool. It's really cool. So now I'm going to remove it. Ah, oh, cocktail smoker. There it is. I found it. I, I put oh! glass. Oh, is it yeah. Good? It smells like a fire pit. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that. But a banana mm, fire pit. Me likey. <laughs> a banana <laughs> fire banana pit. Flavor. I'm, I'm going to try it now. I'm going to try it. Mmm. <laughs> Oh, that is... It's toasted banana bread now. Oh. That's incredible. That is truly incredible. I... Uh, that's really good. I'm very jealous. Wow. I'm going to call it toasted banana bread, I think. That's a good yeah, name. That is a very good name. It's an elaborate cocktail for an elaborate guy. What are you <laughs> drinking, Suze? <laughs> what am I drinking? Well, Sue, old Suze Kempner was j- just dropping off a little before this. So my cocktail is... Espresso martini in a bottle. That's right. Cafe Patron. Cafe Patron. For Christmas. I had a nice cocktail planned, but it'll wait till our next recording. In my mind, um, that's actually called an express martini. Express (laughs) martini? Because you're just going straight to the source. That's really good. Oh, someone at the airport was ordering an espresso and it was really annoying. Oh, no. I found it really irritating because I don't... uh, It annoyed me because I'm not a coffee drinker and... I know it's espresso. So it does. It, that does wind me up in the same way when people put on the fake Italian accent just for the pronunciation. <laughs> like, yes, yeah, so, yeah. So, Mike, what we're gonna do is we're gonna have a couple of. Can we have uh, two espressos? And uh, <laughs> fucking, uh, we'll have we'll have them croissants. I've got this. I've got this weird sort of like anxiety about because I will never say jalapenos. Right. Yes. But neither will I. Neither will I go so far as to go jalapeno. Jalapeno. So, yeah, so it's like the middle ground. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. As a British person, I would. Mm. I would just say jalapenos. Yeah, jalapeno. that's perfectly fine. Yeah. That's yeah. absolutely. It. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean, don't you? By saying jalapenos. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. But if you, I would love to see. Yeah, just you, just be like. Okay, so we're going to have... Yeah, we'll have that tapas with the patatas bravas. Um, oh, does that come with alpenos? Uh, <laughs> like in Subway, where they ask, what do you want? Uh, you have red onion, lettuce, sweet corn, uh, olives, pepperami. Jalapeno! Pepperami. I'm going to do it when I order a pepperami at a pub. Do you guys have pepperami? Do you have a pepperami? Is it a bit of an animal? <laughs> And they're like, ah, oh, oh. yes, madam, right away, I'm a pepper army. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but they throw it at you and it hits your face. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want something? Just single tear rolls down in Italian. What, yeah, what's your favourite Italian meat? Mm, I'd have to say pepper Sue's <laughs> 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 with her charcuterie board. <laughs> pepper army and some laughing cow cheese. She's left that plastic on. 
<laughs> laughing cow cheese. <laughs> I got laughing cow cheese, and what I do is I bite a corner in the triangle and squeeze out in a in a like a long thin oh, cheese. I, I feel like we've gone back in time to the eighties, and this is exactly what's happening at people's houses. <laughs> this is how people used to eat, mate. <laughs> and the, He's done and a charcuterie board. Oh, have you seen charcuterie? And instead of uh, artisan breads that you'd have on a modern charcuterie board. It's just some fucking, I don't know. It's it's it's, those... Hovis, it's Hovis 50-50. <laughs> Mighty White. Do you remember Mighty White? <laughs> so my grand... My it's grandma, brown bread. Ooh. <laughs> oh, all fancy. oh, I've done this right now. There's actual what smoke while it's open. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. That um, so looks cool. so good. Uh, Chris, what are you drinking? Chris? Oh, yeah, really we did Chris? it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm really tired. Uh, I am having. <laughs> yeah, it was you I meant. Um, so, so my one is is a variation on something called a lost plane, which Ooh. so a lost plane has dark rum, um, aperol, uh, amaro, and lemon juice. Right now, I don't have dark mm. rum or aperol, so I was like, oh, I have light rum and I have amaro and I have some Campari. Is amaro that weird vanilla cream? Uh, so amaro is like it's, it's the, the one you put in the cider and the beer. It's the one I put in the week, cider and the beer the other week. Yeah. Oh, yes, of course. You'll There's see it in, else a, called... in Italian it places like a... a lot, and it's like it's a right. pretty fun kind of complexy type cocktail ingredient that like you can make the simplest things taste like they have loads of ingredients in them. Sort of like how char- how Chartreuse does that. Anyway. Um, so my... I'm thinking of Amarula, sorry. Ah, Amarula. I don't think we've ever used yeah, that. Yeah, it's like a vanilla cream. And, on, and the picture on the bottle, I think, is an African elephant or something. Oh, okay. Um, so my variation is light rum, Amaro, a bit of Campari, lemon juice. Now, uh, looking back, it tastes nice, but I think I'd probably back off on the Campari personally and let everything else because okay. it's sort of... It's quite bitter. When you say back off, do you mean completely omitted? Completely omitted, yes. Just, okay. <laughs> um, I'd probably back do it without slowly. Campari. But I'm going to call this variation um, Flight 305, which is <gasps> the plane that D.B. Cooper hijacked. <gasps> ah. Yes. Very good. So that's, what I'm call it. that's good. So if you're going to make we it. We haven't done D.B. Cooper yet. What are we playing at? Yeah, we have. Haven't we done D.B. No. Cooper? No, he was mentioned yeah, once. We, we never did him. I don't think we've... We know. Oh, he was on our episode of, like, people who time travel or something. Is that right? Or it was we like a... At the studio. We spoke about him a little bit because you and Poppy With Hillstead Poppy. said you both wanted to fuck him. Mm. <laughs> yeah, from the picture. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, but yeah. I don't, I don't think we... Um, I think then you're also confusing the tangent we went on. With Saima, and we we're talking about the people that survived falling out of planes. Oh no, yes, and there was Cooper one we did on about that. time travel, where there was a guy who flew, and he said he time traveled, and everyone believed it, and it turned out it was some advert. Or... Oh yeah, 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 that oh, one. Oh yes. Uh, and then maybe you're conflating all of these then, because the one other one was when we were doing Tommy Wiseau. There is a theory that he was DB. He's DB. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. We should. Hello, I, Lisa. I heard you. It's, uh, I reckon we could. We could definitely like. They all seem to funnel right into us doing DB Cooper at some point. Yeah. Uh, and it's a good one. We can bring all that back in as well. It can kind of like kind of all. Anyway, Chris, mm. what do you have for us today? Have either of you heard of Dora Richter? Dora no. Richter. The one with the monkey called Boots. 
<laughs> Turn into a popular kids TV show. I imagine we will find out why this was not a popular kids TV show. This mystery is barely two months after we left the Reichstag fire last uh, last. Oh time. yes, yes. So the Reichstag fire happened at the end of February. That obviously gave Hitler a massive foothold. And the Enabling Act was passed mm. like a month later at the end of March, 1933. He became ruler by decree. He was dictator. Mm. Two months after this, so May, May 1933, the Nazis are now like properly... You can't get rid of them. They're... <laughs> Just love the way you can't get rid of them. They're fucking everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, They're like a gang of annoying lads in a town who just show up at stuff and people go, oh, yeah. God. So that's the problem with your drywall, mate. It's full of Nazis. That's it. You're Shane, not going to get them out. Shane and his mates are going to turn up later. <laughs> oh, oh, it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be fucking it's awful. It's Nazis. <laughs> they had sort of like gone about suppressing a lot of human rights that they had no intention of ever reinstating. Obviously, they uh, were big on censorship. So, mm. uh, but a lot of books, um, mm-hmm. but they also attacked a lot of medical institutions as well that were doing research that they weren't keen on. Oh, Dora Richter vanished technically, but we're going to look at whether or not she was killed by the Nazis when they attacked the Institute for Sexual Research. Oh, and this might relate to stuff from today because Dora Richter was born Rudolf and was the mm. first known person to undergo complete male to female gender. Wow, okay. Mm. Oh my gosh. Mm. Um, so where does this fall in with uh Lily I can't remember her surname. I know who you mean. There's the character that uh Eddie the Danish girl. playing in film that's aged like ooh milk. <laughs> and in the same time as it takes milk to age as well. Like <laughs> yeah. four Three or five days. days. <laughs> yeah. It basically came out. <laughs> the reviews were in and hey, went, hang on a minute, are they fucking really <laughs> Jesus Christ? And then film critics are gonna do that revisionist thing where they pretend they never wrote a good review. <laughs> oh, Empire yeah, magazine yeah. do it all of the time. Oh that winds me up proper. We always hated this. Well they'll get caught up with like uh, the uh, the hype of a film, and then mm. they'll put they'll put four or five stars out on it. Yeah, and, and and then history isn't kind to it. Five or sometimes they were known to do it when they um uh, they'd a film would come out and it would be for like a glowing review. Then it would mm. come out on home release and they'd review it again, and mm-hmm. it would be like two stars because they realised people didn't like it in the meantime. Yeah, <gasps> it's amazing. They 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 did it with. Uh, I don't know if it was Empire Magazine, but a few um, reviewing bodies changed their review of Titanic, which they initially gave a great review to. Yeah. And you go back and they'll go, yeah, we, yeah. it's a three-star film. There's, I don't know where this narrative came from that Titanic is shit, because I watched it again about six months ago, with knowing in my head that people are like, Titanic's terrible. I watched it, I was like, it's really fucking good. Yeah. This film is excellent. <laughs> if you're asking about Lily... Mm. Lily Elba. Mm. What was I saying? Lily Elba, yes. Mm. Who Eddie Redmayne played in... Um, uh, <laughs> Terrible movie, The Danish Girl. The Danish Girl. She was older than Dora by mm-hmm. nine, eight or nine years, uh, but she she was one of the early recipients of sexual assault mm. surgery. She wasn't the first. Dora oh, is the first known. Oh, right. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. Right. Okay. 
Uh, you know how Lily Elba died? Was it complications of the surgery or what? Yeah, so she had um, gender, what they call now gender confirmation surgery, I believe, mm-hmm. where they um, they do you downstairs, right? <laughs> so they, so they do you downstairs. And... Three espressos. And... Three espressos, please. <laughs> A por favor. Um, so Lily was living with you know the first gender confirmation surgery done living Mm. happily the doctor was such an egomaniac they went i reckon we could get a dead woman's donor ovary and womb yeah it was the womb wasn't it put it put it in lily and then lily could have kids because the the real lily elbow wanted children yeah i'd love to have children so they were we can make you a mother Right. Transplanted these into this poor trans woman who then fucking immediately died. Like, yeah. <laughs> days later, died from rejecting these alien organs. You can't do that. No, it's so. Yeah, it was. It was a doctor being an egomaniac that meant that Lily um, died. It feels very. In the, film, the Danish girl Lily dies very romantically, having said they were. I dreamt last night. And they were Lily's dreams. <laughs> that film is bad. It's just like no, you just had a you just had a fucking Doctor Frankenstein yeah. surgeon who's like, and then we could, and then we'll transfer well, her head onto another body. I don't think you can do that. They might be mad. That's yeah. probably not a good idea. No, no, we should do it. Yeah, don't do that. The way Lily died was very tragic and unnecessary. Absolutely, yeah, like it could have completely been a hundred percent avoided if the doctor wasn't like, yeah. "Let's put some ovaries in there." I got an idea. Let's. I'll treat you like a science experiment. Man. Yeah, that's yeah. Terrifying. Anyway, so this. So this is Dora. interesting that you bring this up because it mm. also is the opposite of what happened to Dora. Ah. Um, oh. So so Dora was the first known person to undergo complete uh, gender mm-hmm. confirmation surgery, male to female. Okay. Um, interesting. She was one of several trans people in the care of a man named Magnus Hirschfeld, right. who was a sex research pioneer at the Institute for Sexual Research during the 1920s and early 1930s. This is quite mm. like progressive for the time. It is. Yeah. This is in Germany, obviously, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it she... feels progressive now because yeah, yeah. of yeah. all the crimes. But bear in mind, 1920s was obviously pre-Nazis. Yeah, uh, I'm not saying they weren't there, but I'm saying that they uh, were. <laughs> they kept their heads down. I'm, sa- I'm saying that they were still like, uh, don't worry about them. Yeah, yeah. Ironically, they came to hate minorities. Yeah. So um, she'd undergone surgical removal of the testicles in 1922, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until 1931 that she had the vaginoplasty. Mm. Yeah. But this uh, Institute for Sexual Research, it was a private institute in Germany that ran from 1919 to 1933. We'll find out what happened to it. Uh, <laughs> Something happened in 1933. Yeah, well, it was kind of fire. Uh, anyway, it's really um, strange that they'd stop just for no reason. Mm. It was a non-profit foundation. Whoa. Headed up by Magnus Hirschfeld, and since 1897, he had run the Scientific Humanitarian Committee. And that mm-hmm. campaigned, even in the late 19th century, it campaigned on progressive and rational grounds for LGBT rights and tolerance. Oh, It's interesting. That is crazy. This is so sad. I know. Like, I feel like there's a thing of the past, how the past is like, everyone thinks like it's really rigid and awful. And actually it's like, you still have these great people like this guy who is trying to push this kind I mean, of yeah. thing out. I, you if know? you think about it, there are always going to be pioneers. Yeah. And there has to have been people like that then for us to feel like, like do you know what i mean yes well like, yeah i mean go back far enough and you got jesus the original lgbt rights campaigner <laughs> great story of all time <laughs> <laughs> but i know what you mean it's like it's like you've got to have these people chris that that do 
um, push that so that we could all. Uh, there was a, a long-running journal published by this scientific humanitarian committee. Mm-hmm. Mm. It was the Jahrbuch for Sexuelle Zwischenstuppen. Oh, Zwischenstuppen uh, is my favourite. Stuffen? Is it just stuff? <laughs> for sexual stuff. It sounds like sexual research is stuff. It roughly translates as the yearbook for intermediate sexual types. Okay, okay uh, stuff. An annual publication by this scientific humanitarian committee uh, headed up by uh, ah. Magnus Hirschfeld. And it featured articles on scientific, literary and political topics relating to sexual and gender minorities. So mm. it was LGBT friendly. Yes. Mm. And because... Like this podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Welcome. Not you. <laughs> I want every listener. I just, I just, I just picture as you said that, like one person going, "Oh," <laughs> and then just oh, turning it yeah, off. Yeah, they know. They're like whoever they are. It's, it's me. Whomever they are, just go, "No." Oh. <laughs> the institute was opened in 1919 by mm. Magnus, and he had a collaborator called Arthur Kronfeld. He was a psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. Now, the institute was a like a, it, had, it was a library of a lot of articles writings essays and whatever mm-hmm. so it had a, a substantial archive which fell foul of the book burnings oh no eventually oh uh, yeah of yeah, course uh, yeah. but it, it, it also had medical psychological divisions in it and it had about twenty thousand visitors each year and it conducted around 1,800 consultations per year wow mm. and because it was non-profit poorer visitors were treated for free Oh my god, it's a bloody utopia. No yeah, wonder know, the Nazis right? were like, Ugh, I hate it. Yeah, it's Our perfect. Do the Get same. rid of it. Yeah. It's like a, lot of, <laughs> yeah. a lot of open minded scientists and politicians went to the Institute seeking information mm. about sexuality. Mm. A lot of foreign scientists would travel overseas. They'd come to Germany to. to, to I go bet. There. This is like the centre of yeah, modern in, research. Including a foreign delegation of doctors from Russia, sponsored by the Soviet Ministry of Health. And they were oh. trying. Yeah. Ah, Dr. Rasputin, come this way. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I am singing like these. He'd been dead Rasputin had a bass. That's uh, why he died, because <laughs> he yet. thought it was so good. These Russian doctors, they were shown a film on sexuality, hmm. uh, homosexuality, transsexuality. But, and according to the committee itself, these doctors responded positively and with surprise that the content was ever considered scandalous. Um, yeah. Because this was an educational body, mm-hmm. like, wasn't gratuitous, wasn't no. salacious. It was basically, it was just treating people with respect and mm. saying, this isn't, this isn't an, abnorma- uh, an abnormality, this isn't like a deviation, this is just, there are lots of different people. And yes. presenting right. it very matter-of-factly, that Great. if you were a scientist, a good scientist... I don't know how you'd be able to react as if it weren't. Yeah, yeah you, you just go, I mean? oh, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, They treated the whole thing very scientifically and logically. So right. anybody else with that kind of brain must have just gone, no, oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's right, research yeah. that they're being presented with. Yeah. And, yeah. and then the Nazis came along and were like, they're being respectful. Get them. <laughs> hey, look at those guys. They're treating other people with respect. Yeah. <laughs> They got no respect. <laughs> Treat them with respect. If this is the leading institute in the uh, in the world about this uh, area of sexuality, mm. Mm. and the Nazis, with their stronghold, just eradicate it. Yeah. Then of course it would have put the research back decades. Oh, easily. Yes. It, to think that there would be a pocket universe in which that didn't happen is. Yeah. 
I mean, wow. I don't even want to... Only because it would make me so depressed that it would, would be such yeah. a better world. So, you know. as, well as, all of, as well as doing all of this and studying into sex and presenting its findings and all of that, the Institute advocated for sex education, contraception, the treatment of STIs, and for women's emancipation as well. Mm. Um, oh, what? They were there for women too? Uh, God. So it became a point this of scientific and research interest for many different scientists but also uh, political reformers as well in Germany and Europe mm. mostly surprise surprise from socialist liberal or social democratic circles oh those guys fuck everything up <laughs> <laughs> he yeah, well, what, well the Nazis were the national socialists we've discussed this last episode <laughs> and checkmate it's in the name you know what I'm gonna counter you with the fact that you don't know how to play chess uh <laughs> Oh, yeah? Well. <laughs> Queen's up. Checkmate, baby. I'm not playing with Queen's... you anymore. Hey, we're going to play chess. King is high. <laughs> so. We've all over the Kinsey scale, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Yes. He, he, he um, hung out with people and said whether they wanted to have a wank or not. Yeah, that's, yeah, right. the, that's the jizzed <laughs> of it. <laughs> I've seen the film. Liam Neeson and Laura Linney get off with the same bloke. Yeah, right. Actually, I'm not sure. I think Kinsey was after Hirschfeld. Oh, yeah, I, Kinsey's I, like for 50, a split second. 60, I thought I Chris was going to IMDb and, and check out that you're like. Um, I don't know if it, I don't think it was Laura. Sounds like a good movie. <laughs> to be fair to him, Kinsey would have been in his thirties at this point while this institute was oh, around. Oh, okay. he was older than I thought. But He's, he, but Liam Neeson was younger. He only founded his institute in 1947, some twenty odd years after this one, hmm. almost thirty. Um, right, because. Let's not forget, the thing we are talking about, this institute, was founded in 1919. Yes. Yeah, it's crazy. It's over 100 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Hirschfeld had, we call it the Kinsey scale, but Hirschfeld posited the same thing uh, even earlier. God Um, damn it. mm, That makes me angry uh, uh, beyond belief. (laughs) I believe uh, Kinsey is on record as saying, yoink. uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's his catchphrase, yeah. (laughs) Hirschfeld's belief was that all human beings possess both masculine and feminine traits regardless of their biological sex. Mm. And he believed that no one was fully masculine or fully feminine, but a blend of mm. the two. And uh, a man could have a female sex drive, a, 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 a woman could have a male sex drive. So while he was saying that no one would be fully straight, fully gay, along the two, he also went one step further. And this idea that he... Uh, posited about how a man having a female sex drive and a woman having a male sex drive, that led him to this idea that a man could be a woman on the inside and a biological Mm. female could be a man on the inside. And that's what led him to start looking into uh, um, transsexualism, is what it was called back then. Yeah, Um, that's a really interesting path that that took him down because... It seems so obvious to me that like no one's got every female stereotype. Like, oh yeah. Well, yeah, obviously no one's got every male. I, I suppose like we are. It's a different time. I mean, like back then. Mm. Back then, it could have been a eureka moment. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> of course. Well, yeah. Look at look at how women were expected to behave. And, in yeah, and not like not Western a eureka society. moment for trans people. They no. knew. Yeah. Trans people have yeah. been around forever. They always knew. Yes. But for somebody who wasn't trans, mm. like who. And bearing in mind, a lot of trans people would have to have lived in secret. Yes. Mm-hmm. He, Hirschfeld, to come up with the idea independently from that, I think that's 
quite forward thinking. That's pretty yeah. great. I, and also, um, I didn't know trans people were a thing till the nineties, and this was the nineteen nineties. Yeah, this is it. It's, <laughs> so like, it's not like yeah, yeah exactly. Like eighty right? years after this, yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, Hirschfeld coined the term transsexualism. Ah, interesting. Oh, wow. Okay. I am not cis. I am a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is quite cool as well. How much do you like Hirschfeld at the moment? I mean, I'm I in, like him a lot. I think I'm in love with I him. I think he's, yeah, me and Masood are going to Google his image soon, oh, obviously. Oh, yes. You know it, let's viewers. Let's see if the curtain matches the, let's see if the curtain matches the drapes. <laughs> <laughs> we are, we are going to get back to Dora, don't worry. Oh, but yes. like, at the moment, we're talking about the Institute. Now, the Institute, yeah. mm. as well as treating trans people, it also employed them. Oh, wow. Ah! So they were able to have jobs because of the institute. Oh but my God. Ooh, this is really cool. They were able to have jobs as their true selves. They didn't have to. So like, oh, so we'll good. get back to it. But Dora had to. Dora had to still live as Rudolph. Yeah. For a lot of a lot of the of time. Course. But at the institute, Dora was employed as Dora. Oh my God! Man. Uh, That's amazing. Great. And what uh, were they? Great, it's a great way to skip to paying do? taxes too. I'm just kidding. Don't, don't, I'm just joking. That's a total joke. <laughs> to help the running of the institute. Uh, so they so, were they were employed in all kinds of. Of positions. course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, yes, yeah, some of them, some of it would have been like like cleaning and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. But some of it would be higher. By, by the same token, it would have been like administration as well. And yeah. it was via their skill set. Absolutely. I suppose this is like because um, it would have been hard for them to find employment. Uh, as their true selves living out and trans mm. yeah if they were living authentically um this is amazing yeah, yeah. Um, if they had something like that now you'd go I mean, wow that's this, amazing. This, that's that's exactly <laughs> what i was gonna say it's like it's mad that there's nowhere now really yeah if they like, like said oh yeah, yeah it's a restaurant but it only employs uh trans men and women so that they can live authentically and work uh, they don't have to worry about yeah. like coming out at, coming out at work. They don't have to worry head. about their job being affected by them coming out. And this is a hundred years ago. They're like, yes, yeah, so they all have jobs and they're paid properly. The problem um, is now you'd only find out about that on a BuzzFeed list, and people mm. would go there as like a, oh, it's that restaurant where that, and it's like, dude, just fucking what? No, it should just. Be... Yeah, they'd also have all kinds of fucking assholes going like, we're going to show up and protest. Yeah, Women exactly. won't wish. Yeah, like... So, how much do you like Hirschfeld at the moment? I like him even more now. Um, um, I like to. I like to be buried of... with him. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to find out he was an answer? <laughs> oh, so, so then, so then, listen to this, right? Oh God! Uh, as well as employing uh, trans people at his institute, as well yeah. as uh, treating them and offering a lot of pioneering, progressive research. Mm. Yeah. Uh, obviously, and we know that the institute also offered the first modern gender affirmation surgeries mm. yes uh, not uh, only until the 30s though because obviously they couldn't technology yeah. would allow them yes but they worked at being able to mm. uh, through the 20s the 1920s they worked through being able to do this anyway mm. hirschfeld he also worked with the berlin police department do you want to know why why uh-oh why to curtail the arrests of cross-dressing individuals <gasps> oh my god because he was a learned doctor. Yeah, so the police would see a man dressed as a woman, in inverted mm, commas, listen, yeah. yeah, 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 that's and then, what they saw. And then arrest them. Yeah. Uh, Hirschfeld worked with the police to get them to stop doing this. Fucking and hell, man. This, okay, okay, this sounds bad, but it's basically, I guess, that he's trying to get short-sighted, close-minded individuals... Uh, such as the police, mm. Mm. to see these people as people with conditions rather than deviants. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So he created this idea of like almost like a passport 
which was issued on behalf of the institute, which was recognised as a learned mm-hmm. scientific body. Yeah, he would issue uh, those to people who associated with a gender other than the one assigned to them at birth, so that mm-hmm. the police maybe if they stopped them they could show them this pass by from the institute Whoa. oh my god now, yeah the, okay so the idea of like, this is why it's a bit icky now yes i like, was about to say like oh yeah. somebody's somebody's going so, to tweet about trans this. people should not have to carry yeah. trans passports of course not. no yes, my yes, god yes, yes. Yeah, but it's a hundred years ago like this was yes. this was the start you have to start and it somewhere. does sound like he did it for a good reason because the yeah, alternative absolutely. was that they would be arrested yes, yes. yeah exactly right yeah, no, yeah. And, and that's it isn't it it's like in order to kind of also speed up that process i think that's kind of uh, yeah it's not a perfect system but it's a system that works a hundred yeah, years ago you do this until the yeah. acceptance comes absolutely yeah. yeah this again it's this idea of a prominent eminent scientist who's spearheading it and again treating it logically scientifically yes. compassionately and yeah. not with prejudice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that the police have to respect that was he um, was he cryogenically frozen, Chris? Is there a chance he could be thawed today and we could meet? Maybe for like a date or something. Yeah, just just, just for one, just With one. Two date. podcasters. <laughs> I'll sit in the car. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Chris can be the maitre d. Chris is there with a fake moustache, doing an accent, doing a German accent. Are we are we prote- are we setting up one yeah. of our houses as the restaurant? <laughs> we- yes, but we've set it up like a restaurant. We've got like breeze blocks with a cushion on top of chairs. Our house is done chairs. Because the institute was LGBT friendly. Mm. Yes. It knew the society existed in as well. Yes. So yeah. obviously there was a practice at the time to try and cure homosexuality. Yeah. And yeah. Include, include, including castrating. Oh really? Mm. And not and not I say just in inverted commas. We've got the inverted commas out again. Mm. Not just chemically castrating. Yeah, as mm. in like but actually the, the physical removal of testicles wow. apparently in Germany was abandoned by nineteen twenty four. However, regardless, yeah. yeah um what Hirschfeld did at his institute was rather obviously he doesn't see it as anything to be cured. So he doesn't cure them. No. no. What he I mean, even try. What he does is he did this thing called adaption therapy, which was um, the focus was put on helping the patient learn to navigate the homophobic society that they lived in, mm. and so that they themselves could get remove their self loathing and uh, be open with their sexuality to themselves. Oh my god! Um, so those were the therapies he put in place uh, to deal with homosexual people that would come to the institute. Right. Yeah, that's re- like. That's something that I, I'm like, I'm sure obviously they do it now, but still it feels very much like that's something that, that's such a forward fucking thinking thing in 1920s. Like, yeah. you've got to come to term, you know, let's let's work on yourself and how you feel well, that, about I, it. And... I'd say that that's probably <clears throat> loads of therapy with people who maybe don't come from the most progressive families. Yeah. yeah. Who've had to fight who they are and who they love for most of their lives. Some of them have had to, have to you know look at gay men now you have to some of them have to disown their family in order to 100 percent, yeah as they are it's awful that's yeah uh, so there's probably a lot of therapy now is just therapists going like hey let me tell you it's okay to be you you had no control over it and also it's fine yeah so yeah it's 100 years ago and they were like look what we're doing that's fucking oh my god this guy 
Mod- meanwhile, 50% of humanity, we haven't learned a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the Institute was uh, opened by Hirschfeld and a guy he collaborated with called Arthur Cromfeld, who was mm-hmm. um, a psychotherapist. Cromfeld uh, mm. was also a German Jew. Mm. Oh, as so, in, uh oh, the Nazis, yeah. yes. not as in, Ugh. Not in- <laughs> Can you imagine if everyone's like, ooh? <laughs> I'm like, Ugh, turn off. <laughs> Cromfeld went to uh, Moscow. Hmm. Okay. And on the 10th of October 1936, an exchange between him and a fellow German Jewish psychiatrist who'd been exiled as well uh, mm. was recorded in the proceedings of a meeting of the Moscow Society of Neuropathology and Psychiatry. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. It's believed that. Unfortunately, Arthur Cromfeld committed suicide in 1941 when the German troops invaded. Oh, Oh my God. What, for? do you think out of fear of being captured or just because he was like... Yeah, yeah. I mean, mean, obviously we never lived through it, but World War II was desperate. Yeah. Yeah. People living at the the end of their lives every day, thinking like that could be their last any time. This is it. (laughs) Yeah, and and then you cut to now... You've got these fucking COVID denier idiots going, it's like Nazi Germany. And you think to yourself, I wasn't there, but I don't think it was. I don't think it was. I don't think it's (laughs) You'll remember how the Nazis said, "Mm, can you please wear a mask? But (laughs) you don't have to. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think they did. Yeah, I don't think it was. I think it was. Excuse me, um, you have to wear a mask in this Tesco. I don't want to, mate. Okay, God, the storm up tiling have got really soft. I will they? not comply. Oh, pe- that's Bloody fine. You don't. Piers Corbin. You don't have to. In Nazi Germany. You don't want to. I mean, it's just it would be beneficial for us as customers. But oh my God, okay. Mister, that's a bang-on impression of a Nazi in the thirties. Hello, oh. welcome to home base. <laughs> How may we help you today? Please put on mask. Yeah. Do you guys now, have you like wanna... small? watering cans for like indoor plants i'm afraid not oh it's like fucking nazi germany it's like nazi germany i had to wear a mask and they didn't have we have no small watering cans due to brexit (laughs) (laughs) also i'm not here Uh, due to brexit (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) oh shit so basically the institute was doing great work for lgbt people in the early 20th century 1920s Mm. hirschfeld himself uh, he was targeted by the Nazis for being Jewish and gay. <gasps> he was gay. Oh wow! Okay. He was beaten. Masood. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this could <gonna> work. <laughs> he was beaten by activists uh, in right. 1920, pre-Nazis, obviously, mm. but it was called the Völkisch Movement, which is like uh, VOLK with the umlaut. Oh, okay. They would have um, definitely been assimilated into that yeah. as it all. And that was a German yeah. ethno-nationalist movement. Yeah. That was active from the late 19th century right through to the Nazis. Oh, I see. Fuck so hell. this is like baby Nazis. Did they... Is this... Because... Uh, they were fascists. The, the yeah. Volkswagen... Yeah, of course. But the Volkswagen Beetle happened during... Under Hitler, basically, didn't it? Mm. As in the people's car. Was, do you think Volkswagen comes from that as well? This idea of like, we're, the, we're for the people. Because that movement was obviously seeing itself as, like, as for, yeah, the we're for the people. Hey, we're for the people. But that—that that is, that, I mean, that—that's that, fascist talk. Because the idea of fascism, yes. fascism stems from stronger together. Yeah. Yeah. It? It's like, yeah. Isn't, isn't it this idea of like, you take, you take a bundle of weedy little sticks, but you put them together mm. and they're strong. And, and they like, come strong. Yeah, yeah. That's the idea. Which is, of... which is why we know Hitler wasn't really Hitler. Was why we know uh, Trump wasn't 
really a fascist. I know he gets described as one quite a lot. Mm. Trump was more isolationist. Trump wasn't interested in banding together and taking over I mean, the world. Yeah, he, he was, was like, despotic. Let's isolate yeah. all of us from from the rest of the world. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Trump um, Trump was uh despot uh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was he was despotic on the right, mm. but yes. maybe not a fascist. No. I think yeah, he, he, he you can classify his supporters as fascist, I think. Because... Absolutely, yeah. He didn't have leanings to... This isn't even a compliment of Trump, uh, but he, his leanings weren't, right, I want to take over the entire world. It was, uh, I want to separate everyone who loves me and me from everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. It was like an isolation. Yeah, I just, yeah, I essentially want to be like Forgetting one of those... how big the world was. Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. Thinking he was a very strong... One boy. of those Roman emperors that have people feeding grapes to him and fanning him. That's all he wants. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, yes. it's, it's, yeah. I want to get up, only be up for 10 hours of the day and then eat grapes. And then eat McDonald's until I shit my pants. <laughs> Hirschfeld was, uh, was Jewish. He was born in um, uh, what is now Poland, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, it was Prussia. But, yeah. Um, uh, 1868. He was born. That's uh, 1868. Trans ally. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. He uh, he got his medical degree in 1892. Uh, he studied medicine in uh, Strasbourg, Munich, Heidelberg, where I also spent a year at university, and Berlin. Ah. After his studies, he went travelling in America for eight months. So he saw the world. Yes. Uh, I find that usually helps <laughs> when you it see does, the world. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. And yes, everybody, he was gay. Deal uh, with it. Deal with it, snowflakes. He was gay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Who was he going out with? <laughs> yeah. Come on. You know, are we going to TMZ gossip. this? <laughs> what the fuck's going on? <laughs> this guy had a date. <laughs> because he travelled as well, he was struck by stark similarities between the gay subcultures of Chicago and Berlin. Oh, very similar. Okay, okay. Right. And that's where he first developed a theory, his theory, of about the universe, uh, universality of homosexuality around the world. Right. So he researched oh. in books and newspaper articles the existence of gay uh, culture in Rio, Tangier and Tokyo. Mm. Uh, and then through researching this, he uh, obviously, I mean, like, he was gay himself. Mm. And he obviously then dealt with a lot of gay people recreationally and professionally mm. so uh he became interested in gay rights because a, a a lot of gay people were killing themselves yes right do you know what the german for um suicide is no no uh selbstmord Self- which is one of those self-death. literal literal uh, literal german translations it's not necessarily self uh, death it's self-murder which is oh. okay. way more judgmental, isn't it? Yeah, it is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, so uh, that meant suicide linguistically made it become more of a taboo in Germany than it was anywhere else. Oh, shit. <laughs> because, right. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because, just because words have power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he highlighted a particular story as to why he was so interested in gay rights activism. Mm. We're talking about the late 1800s, everybody. Yeah, it's Fucking nuts, hell, it? man. He told the story of one of his patients who was a young army officer suffering from depression. Mm-hmm. He killed himself in 1896, leaving behind a suicide note that said, despite trying really hard, he could not stop desiring other men. Wow. And he ended right. his life out of guilt and shame. And oh, in the suicide man. note, he wrote that he, had, he lacked the strength to tell his parents the truth. 
and spoke Ugh. of his shame of that which nearly strangled my heart. Now, his parents oh. lacked the uh, empathy to understand what he's going but through. But in the whole... They might have... He never spoke to them because... Yeah. In the whole note, he never once mentioned the word homosexual or homosexuality. Oh. He that, yeah. kept referring it to that, in inverted commas, in his note. Wow. So wow. The, oh, that's so hard. Yeah, uh, but yeah. then, this is what's quite striking. This army officer at the end of his suicide note, ended up addressing it to Hirschfeld. Oh, shit. And said, the thought that you could contribute a future when the German fatherland will think of us in more just terms sweetens Mm -hmm. the hour of my death. Oh, my goodness. (sighs) I might want to rescind my comment about the parents thing. It's it's a very difficult, obvious fucking minefield of trying to navigate that. Well, yeah, he he didn't even... He he probably had a worst-case scenario in his... Absolutely. Bearing in mind that Hirschfeld was writing a lot of the time. He was writing journals and articles and that yearbook, for example. Yeah, so, I mean, that's incredible. And he was really affected by the trial of Oscar Wilde. Oh, yes. He'd refer to that a lot in his writings. Yeah. Mm. Oh, man. Obviously, this will eventually lead to him founding this institution, which did a lot of good work. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Do you like Hirschfeld now? I like him a lot. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely contender for top three. Uh, you know, to bone I the two bone the two bone category. Then there's there's, yeah. there's only about three of them in there. He's definitely. I like three. him. I like him more than Basil Zaharoff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, Suze, let's not go saying things we can't take back. Okay? <laughs> you know. I prefer him. He's still alive at this point, old Zed Zed. Oh, oh my um, darling, my darling. <laughs> You're beautiful. Bearing in mind, you already like him. Mm-hmm. Yes. In 1905, mm. he joined the League for the Protection of Mothers, which was a feminist organization. He campaigned, yeah, as well as for gay rights for the decriminalisation of abortion. He campaigned against policies that banned female teachers and civil servants from marrying or having children. Uh, and he and um, Helena... Uh, so <laughs> Helena Stöcker was a German feminist, pacifist, gender activist. And she successfully campaigned to keep same-sex relationships between women legal. Mm. Um, but they were right. also campaigning uh, campaigning for uh, uh, um, the, like, the legalisation of abortion. But both 
she and Hirschfeld believed that there was a close connection between the causes of gay rights and women's rights because at the right. time both were oppressed. Right. Uh, yes. Well, yeah, so, you look at the shit that gay men face now, like, you go, oh, yeah, most of this also applies to just women. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a fucking nuts. That's fucking yeah. Hirschfeld played a prominent role in the harden Eulenburg affair, which was a really publicised sex scandal in Imperial Germany. Mm-hmm. During the libel trial in 1907, a gen- General Kuno von Moltke sued the journalist Maximilian Harden uh, after the latter had read an article accusing Moltke of having a gay relationship with the politically mm. powerful Prince Philip von Eulenburg, mm. who right. was the Kaiser's best friend at the time, the Kaiser's best friend. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Hirschfeld testified for Harden. Right. So as an expert witness, he testified that Moltke was gay Yeah. and what Harden had written was true. Mm. Okay, yeah. But Hirschfeld was also like... It is also nothing to be ashamed of, and this yes. should not be. Yeah, this uh, shouldn't be because he wanted to make homosexuality yeah. legal in Germany. Yeah, so yeah. he believed that proving that army officers like Moltke were gay, mm-hmm. it would help the case for legalization. Right. right. Yeah. Of course. Right. So while he was saying, "I'm testifying for Harden, who had outed Moltke." Yeah, it wasn't because, like yeah. Yeah, Moltke's gay. We need to know that there are gay people. Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. Very prominently gay people. Uh, and so he testified for Harden against Moltke, but did say that he believed there's nothing wrong with Moltke. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, right. Yeah. The, the direct quote from Hirschfeld is that homosexuality was part of the plan of nature and creation, just like normal love. Hmm. Don't like the word normal in there, but... but look, look, yeah, yeah. It's, look, it's like, the 1920s, yeah. come on. It's, yeah, so yeah. the testimony caused outrage yeah. all over Germany. Right. Oh shit, right, yeah, of course. Hirschfeld makes public propaganda on the cover of science, one article said, and it does nothing but poison our people. Real science should fight against this. There was a notable witness at the trial called Lily von Elber. Hey, hang hey, on a minute. Hello. It was Lily's dream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Elber was the former wife of Moltke and testified that her husband had only made love to her twice in their entire marriage. Elba spoke with remarkable openness for the period of her sexual desires and her frustration with her husband, who was only interested in having sex with Eulenburg, the Mm -hmm. Philip Philip Eulenburg. Elba's testimony was marked by moments of low comedy when it emerged that she had taken to attacking Moltke with a frying pan in vain attempts to make him have sex with her. Oh my God. This feels like an episode of The Honeymooners. Moltke was unable to defend himself. The fact that he couldn't defend himself from his wife's attacks was taken as proof that he was deficient oh, in masculinity. Oh my which God. many sources confirm he's homosexual. Never mind that it might be this guy just yeah. doesn't want to hurt a woman because he's not a piece of shit. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. My God. Why don't you um, want to have sex with me? Because you keep. Yeah. What's your problem? What's your problem? <laughs> but you might be thinking that's Lily Alba, the Danish girl, which isn't mm. different. No. No. It's it just so happens to be the same name. It's the same name. Yeah. So yeah, bearing in mind because of all this, he was vilified. He was attacked a lot. Uh, Hirschfeld. He was attacked so badly mm. in 1920. Do you remember when I said he got beaten up by the yes. yeah. He was beaten up so badly the police declared him dead when they arrived. <gasps> Fuck me! Oh my god! He wasn't Shit. obviously. No, but no, like no. they. Still. He, he was. He was dead. He was. Dead. He was 52 <laughs> at the time. 1868. Oh my god! Shit. My god! When he came to, the police were like. <laughs> <laughs> A zombie! Kill it! Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> in 1921, 101 years ago, 
Yeah. Hirschfeld organized the first Congress for Sexual Reform, which led to the formation of the World League for Sexual Reform. Wow. Oh, my God. I can't believe how much bad the Nazis did. Yeah. Even more than you thought. Yeah. He became known as the Einstein of sex. I like that. No, That's no, what no. I'm going to get. I think I'm going to get a future boyfriend to call me that. <laughs> She's the hey, Einstein of sex. When you talk about me to I'm friends, gonna, I'm gonna call me the Einstein I'm going to cut a little bit of that of sentence out so it just is you saying, I'm going to get a future boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and the, uh, all our listeners like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, Suze. He coined the term transsexual in 1923. Mm-hmm. He also right. made a distinction between trans and intersex. Yes. Ah, okay. Okay. Uh, so he... Something that the gender critical crew on Twitter refused to do. Mm. Yeah. How much do you like Hirschfeld now? I like it. I don't think there's a there's more. high there's my scale what? is broken. It's too high. He's he's uh, yeah. I can't think of a man that I've loved more. Mm-hmm. So what if I told you in 1919 he made a movie? <gasps> oh, this guy's done Nation's everything. Pride. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> he co-wrote it. He starred in it. It's oh my called, god! It's called it's called Anders als die anderen, it's, which translates as different from the others. Uh, <gasps> I know this film. This is a, right. I know this film. It's a silent film where they're all gay. Yeah. Oh so god. in it, Conrad Veidt played he, one I of the first homosexual characters ever written for cinema. Wow. It had yes. a specific oh. gay rights law reform agenda. Yes. Oh my I know gosh. this film. We did it at film studies A level, and a load of my classmates So you have seen Hirschfeld's movie. Anyway. Whoa. Oh my god. That's incredible. Yeah, and it's called, it's, yeah, not like the others. Or, yeah. Yeah. He was able to, because after the war, after the First World War, mm. there was a more liberal atmosphere. It wasn't to last. Um, <laughs> oh, what? What happened? No. Uh, so um, <laughs> he bought property in order to put, his, in 1919, he bought property in, into which to put his institute. Uh, it opened on the 6th of July, 1919. That it was a stone's throw away from the Reichstag building. Wow. Oh, oh no. It's poetically horrendous. I know. It made, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, I got no. sad. <laughs> I was like, oh. Yeah, great. You probably heard of Christopher Isherwood. Yeah. Yeah. Goodbye to Berlin. Mm. Farewell to Berlin. He, I mean, Cabaret is based on his books. He also wrote Christopher and His Kind, which I think was an autobiography. He writes yes. about how he and W.H. Oden went to the Institute in Christopher and his kind. Ah, oh, sure. Yeah, he had a book called Goodbye to All That as well, I think. Oh, but right. Sally Bowles is his character and she is the main character in Cabaret, played by Eliza Minnelli. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you know who originally played Sally Bowles uh, on the West End? Jane Judy Dench. Oh, amazing. Oh, Can right. you imagine her singing? Bad. Is <laughs> Life is. What now? As in, like, she's played her now. <laughs> she only got one working vocal cord. So back then, she probably still sounded like, My mama thinks I'm working in a convent. That's a good Don't Judy bother. Dench. That's a very good I do Judy. a good Judy Dench. Have you ever heard her doing Send in the Clowns? No. Right? People hold it up as, like, the pinnacle of acting, and it's sometimes, so it's also, like, the pinnacle of songwriting in musical theatre. She does Send in the Clowns, and it is good. But she plays something quite angry with her Judy Dench voice, so she's like, "Isn't it rich? Are we a pair?" <laughs> and then at the end, the line is, "But where are the clowns? There ought to be clowns. Don't bother, they're here." Yeah. And she goes, "There ought to be clowns. Don't bother, <laughs> they're here." <laughs> It's almost like Krusty's performance in The Simpsons. 
It's sort of similar. <laughs> that was funny. Does it? He's like all different lyrics. That was funny, silly. <laughs> Singing it with better middle, isn't it? <laughs> Anyway, sorry about that. I had to just do my Judy Dench. No, it's a very good dent. It was I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad. We <laughs> I'll do the rest of the podcast as Judy Dench. That will sound very anything. insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have it as Judy Dench as our guest for the rest of the podcast, maybe. No, don't. Um, <laughs> I already regret it. So, um, uh, well, let's go back to Dora. Mm-hmm. So, Dora, recap from the beginning of the podcast, the first known mm-hmm. person to undergo complete... Uh, gender affirmation surgery. What's her surname again? I'm writing it down. Richter. R I C H. Dor Richter. T E R. Richter. Mm. Like Andy Richter. <laughs> They're related. Uh, she was born in 1891 mm-hmm. uh, to a, a poor farming family. Mm-hmm. Early in childhood, she was uh, she displayed a tendency to act in in a feminine way. So, like, she got a bit older. Start of the 1900s, she. Used the name Dora, began wearing women's clothing, presenting as female. Mm. Mm-hmm. However, she would have to work under her birth name as a waiter uh, oh, in order gotcha. to make money. But then she would live as her true self for the rest of the year. So she'd work mm-hmm. as a waiter mm. under her birth name during summer, which was busy season. Yes. And then she'd live the rest of the year as herself. She was arrested a lot, like Shit. I said, for a Oh, yeah, because of... Yeah, that was the, like, yeah. Man in a dress and arrest her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just can't even get past the idea of the police being like, it's like, this is a crime. Why? We yeah, don't it's, know. It's like, have you not got other crimes <laughs> yes. to there, look into? Yeah, exactly. that, are you, do you not busy? Yeah. So we have Magnus Hirschfeld at the time with his institute, new, like sort of fairly newly opened, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she has been arrested, uh, served time in prison. And then this judge decided to release her into the care of Hirschfeld. Okay. Who gave her that passport. So that meant that the police couldn't arrest her for wearing women's clothing. Mm. Uh, And she worked as a domestic servant at the Institute for Sexual Research. Mm -hmm. So, which actually was, like I said, where she could be employed as herself. Uh, Yeah. And she was affectionately known as Durchen. Does that mean something? Uh, no, it just means Little Dora. Oh, oh, right, okay. In 1922, her testicles were surgically removed. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting about this, and when we now that we know what we know about the Institute, not surprising, there was a psychiatrist at the Institute called Felix Abraham. Mm-hmm. He published her gender affirmation as a case study. Okay. And throughout it, obviously uses the correct pronouns all the way through. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's almost as if that's possible. Yeah. And not <laughs> her castration uh, had the effect of making her body become fuller, restricting her beard growth, making visible the first signs of breast development. So this the is without um, hormone... artificially prescribed um, hormones. Yeah. And this was a hundred years ago. Yes. Wow. They oh, did say, well, this is what's so interesting. So Felix okay. did say yeah. in the case study that, yeah, it wasn't very extensive, but it did have that effect. That's amazing. Wow. So, it's that, it's, well, I'm saying it's that easy, but it's like, it, there it is. There's your evidence. It's yeah. so easy. Um, she, in 1931, had the uh, um mm. But it was actually, as I understand it, because it was the like the first one, not actually as, 
not how they do it now, from what I understand. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she had, she had a penectomy, which is obviously the removal of the penis, uh, mm. performed by physician at the institute. And then in June of that year, the same year, an artificial vagina was surgically grafted by a, a surgeon called Erin Gorbant. Okay. Okay. That makes Dora the first trans woman of whom records remain to undergo vaginoplasty. Amazing. Wow. And uh, like, it's hard to imagine what that must have been like because I, I, I don't know what it's like, obviously, but there's so many accounts of modern trans women going, I yeah. woke up from my surgery and I was overwhelmed with how complete I felt. And it's quite moving yeah. testimonies. What must it have been like for Dora to be like this wasn't a thing yeah until they had it done until she had that operation she must have woken up and been like whoa i mean yeah just be like, holy shit i fucking hell a- yeah just walk <laughs> yeah that's fucking crazy right to be the first person to be, be like, mind-blowing holy shit or maybe it's just like that kind of thing again like you talk about completion it's like it felt like oh Mm. Oh, hey. like a relief kind of like and then she I'm went, who I am and then she went I have Lily's dreams <laughs> who's Lily? Oh, don't, don't know I don't know don't just know. like their dreams it's so it's so weird though like I, I think of I come up against all the um, gender critical weirdos on Twitter quite a lot mm. who they call themselves that because if they actually just said we're transphobes it would out them yeah. as prejudice but they constantly compare trans women and uh, usually trans women they really ignore trans men mm. And what they call TRAs, trans rights activists, which uh, we'd fall under that banner, <laughs> boys. Um, they constantly call us like they're like they're like the Nazis. They want us to live in a Nazi regime. You're like Nazis literally stopped this kind of progressive work being done. Yes. They literally stopped it and set history back decades. Yeah, completely. I mean, it's the hypocrisy stares you in the face, but mm. it, for some reason. It, like blind them because it's their own hypocrisy which is yes. they'll say like oh it's a real go-to of the left to uh, to call anybody that disagrees with them nazis and yet they'll say things like the uh, liberal stasi or yes uh, and they, they'll, they'll they'll throw that back as in sort of like the, the left waffer and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. and you you want to say like, to them have a look at what kind of books they were burning yeah and, yeah. and, and, yeah. and, not, and not just that it's like i don't think you get to say that the left call people that don't agree with them nazis when that's yeah. what you are, that's the language you're using. Yes. Yes. Uh, like, yeah. I've said this before. Like, I'll only ever use the word Nazi if I feel like it's merited. Yeah. yeah. Completely. And yeah, it's not Godwin's law if you're talking about literal Nazi yeah, behavior. No, yeah. It's Godwin's law when you're going after someone who slags off Halo. Yeah, <laughs> to put it back to, like, the trans, the trans issue and, like, uh, mm. TERFs and the gender criticals. Yes, the gender um, cranks. <laughs> yeah, they, the idea that they think that uh, trans rights activism is they is is like a movement akin to the nazis rather than which i think is a more apt analogy than the suffragettes mm. then yeah they're blind because it's not about forcing people to live as somebody they're not no. it's about asking for acceptance for who people are. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's, there's no argument in my mind. Mm-mm. 
Oh my god! I mean, like as you're saying it. I wonder I'm... how many listeners we will lose for this episode. Actually. Uh, I hope zero. I hope any that we lose. How many have make we got themselves this far? Known? Yeah, have we got this far mm. with people not knowing that we are yeah. trans allies? <laughs> this is true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if somebody's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> 112 episodes. <laughs> I am disgusted. <laughs> They they they, um, mental, they burn our podcast onto a CD and then throw it onto a fire. <laughs> like, ah. Yeah, and they set it. fire to a pile of them and then say, Nazi scum. Those Nazis. <laughs> Those <goddamn> Nazis. <laughs> With Dora, as well as obviously being the first trans woman mm. to undergo complete gender affirmation surgery, yeah. uh, the first known trans woman, her fate is unknown. Oh. Oh. So it's a mystery. I was but... wondering what I'm. I was like, please tell me this woman went somewhere like Denmark and lived but, for sixty more years. But we do not know what happened to her. But that doesn't mean we can't make a depressing guess. Yeah, so, yeah. She sort of vanishes after the institute is attacked. Ugh. And it's attacked soon after the fire. Very soon afterwards. Oh. Very soon afterwards. So right. the Reichstag fire happened at the end of February, which again, this is recapping what we said at the start of the episode, that rushed through the enabling acts or like by like there was a few more steps, but it was able to rush them through. Yeah. The enabling act meant that Hitler could rule as dictator mm. and yeah. the enabling act was passed barely a month after the fire. Mm. So that was the end of March that that happened and the attack on the Institute and also, obviously, a lot of the burning of the books happened at the start of the Nazis being in power. Yeah. This was in May. Um, oh, shit. Ni- 1933. So barely, oh, wow. barely a few months afterwards. Um, this, so this was on the list of, like, as soon as we've, as soon as we're properly in power, here's our list of shit we're going to do. Yeah. yeah so this is one of the things. They burnt books by <sighs> leftists and authors they considered un-German, including thousands of books that were looted in the attack on the... Hirschfeld Institute. Fucking hell. Mm. On 30th of January 1933, Hitler is made Chancellor. Uh, yeah. And then it was four months after that, so in May, so not long after Hitler had taken absolute power. Uh, on the morning of the 6th of May, a group of university students who belonged to the Nazi Student League stormed the institution, shouting, Burn Hirschfeld. Fuck. They Oof. began to beat up the staff, smash up the premises. And then in the afternoon, the Sturmabteilung, the SA, came to the Institute and carried out a more systematic attack by removing all of the works from the library, storing oh them to later burn. Fuck. Uh, then in the evening, so it was a bad day for the Institute, the police arrived at the institution and announced, this is closed forever. Oh, shit. Ah. Shit. Oh, my God. Now, it's depressing to guess, but it's also likely to have happened that Dora was a casualty of that attack mm-hmm. because we don't hear from her afterwards. Now, there might be a reason for that because maybe she escaped successfully and had to go into hiding and that was so successful that no one knows what happened. Yeah, like, I wanted to have died in like the 80s in long into her 90s. Yes, where she's like, just her oh last my words God, are, could you imagine? Guess yeah. what, I'm yeah, Dora Richter. She, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was born in 18... 1891. Yeah. She is Andy Richter's grandmother. She's younger than Hitler. (laughs) She's Andy Richter's grandmother. 1891, she was born. So she could have been... She would have been 94 when you were born, Suze. 
Yeah, and yeah. she could have been like, and she could have heard, like she felt it in her brain that I'd been born. And then she went, oh, when a child is born. Imagine like when, um, when, when TV started getting like, you and TV would do those occasionally like coruscating documentaries in the 70s. Mm. And like her being interviewed by like Alan Wicker. Yeah. yeah. Oh, or something. Man. Anyway, that's like, wouldn't that be lovely to? That would uh, be great. In my head, I want that to have happened. However, she died in nineteen thirty-three. Fate is unknown. Mm. After yeah. the attack on the institute, we don't know what happened. Ugh. However, we do know what happened to Hirschfeld. I hope he didn't oh burn. So do you remember when they stormed mm. the institution shouting, burn Hirschfeld, burn yes. Hirschfeld. Yeah, oh, yeah. God. Oh, yeah, I'm anxious yeah. now. When they came in to do that, he was actually on a speaking tour around the world. <gasps> uh, so he wasn't in Germany at the time. Oh. Uh, in March 1932, he'd stopped in Athens, spent several weeks in Vienna, and then in August of 1932, so the previous year, he'd kind of settled in Zurich. Oh, while he was very there, nice he, wor- the he worked on a book which recounted his experiences and observations while he was on the world tour, and that was published in 1933. And then it was published in an English translation under the title Men and Women The World Journey of a Sexologist. So that ah. book exists. We could read Hirschfeld's book. Oh, shit. Anyway. Uh, I thought you were going to say, and that book was translated into Men are from Mars and Women are from Venus. <laughs> you may know uh. the British translation. It was, called, it was called Men and Women The World Journey of a Sexologist in the US. In England, it mm. was actually called Women East and West Impressions of a Sex Expert. Oh. <laughs> it sounds like um, Confessions of a Yeah, it does. It sounds yeah. like. Uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Robin, Robin... Asquith. Yeah. Robin Asquith. Yeah. He follows me on Twitter. Does he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's really funny on Twitter. I really um, like it whenever, like, if ever you you do a tweet that he likes, he doesn't just like the tweet. He goes, "Ooh, Rami!" <laughs> In those films, they used to show on Channel Five all the time. Those confessions movies, yeah. And I used to see them all the time. Here he is. Uh, uh, no, John, my granddad used a... to call those films what? The, what Floppy is... breast films. <laughs> <laughs> Your grand, oh my god. Oh, fuck it all. No, I just imagine him saying that and your gran, like, slipping and going down the hill. He says that to her. He goes, oh, oh, different gran... Oh, yeah, no, they were different granddad. Different oh, in my head, they're the same. They're the same couple. <laughs> he says that and she goes... And she I thought like, oh, about um, my gran slipping on the ice and falling down the incline again the other day. But I realised what's funnier to me now yeah. is the memory of you laughing so much at it. It's so funny. <laughs> that is funnier to me than the memory of my grand slipping on the ice. In my head, it's kind of like a sooty and sweet type thing where the camera's like right on her face and she's like, Whoa! <laughs> or like a Robin, yeah. Robin Asquith. His Twitter bio is name dropper slash trouser dropper. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> That would be better if it was name slash trouser dropper. Yeah, I'll have a word. (laughs) Some notes on your profile. (laughs) He's always like retweeting like people like Michael Sheen, really prominent left wing uh, people. (laughs) I think he might be great. (laughs) He's with his bum out all the time. So Hirschfeld was not in Germany when they attacked the Institute. Hmm. He 
he had one eye on Germany while he was gone, obviously. And he was like, well, I'd really like to be able to go back to Berlin if the political situation improves. But unfortunately, we know it didn't. Mm. And the Nazi regime's rise to power happened to coincide with the end of his world tour. Um, oh. So he decided to just not go back to Germany. He went into exile in France. Sensible. Yeah, a couple of days, well, a week actually, a week after the attack on the Institute, 14th of May 1933, it was his 65th birthday. He arrived in Paris oh. where he lived in a luxurious apartment building. Oh, oh. you deserve it. Uh, you deserve it, buddy. Which by now, at this point, they've probably carved into tiny apartments. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm just mad because I stayed in France once and it was expensive. <laughs> <laughs> it is pricey, isn't it, it Paris? Price, especially Airbnb. Yeah. He had a couple of partners, Tao Lee and Carl Geezer. Carl Geezer? Carl Geezer, mate. <laughs> All right, name's Carl Geezer. Carl Geezer, he was a German archivist, museum curator, and the life partner of Magnus Hirschfeld. Aww. Aww. They lived together in Paris. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is a shame is that the following year in 1934, Carl got involved in a dispute by, like, just next to a swimming pool. Yeah. There was, like, Hirschfeld has since called it, like, trifling. It was not a big deal. Mm. Right. Because of this dispute, it led to French authorities expelling him. Oh. So oh. Giza had to be had So they to, were looking for an excuse. Had really. to go from had to go from France. Oh no. Oh that's oh that sucks. God damn it. Uh, oh, but then what? Uh, his French visa was uh, terminated. He was arrested on charges Giza's of, visa. He was arrested on charges <laughs> of public indecency. Now that's a travel show I I would want to watch. Geezer's visas. Ah, <laughs> just... Let's see where this will take me. <laughs> Carl couldn't go back to Nazi Germany, obviously. Oh, shit. So right. no, yeah. he Sucks. went to Vienna, lived mm. there for a year, uh, and then uh, he uh, went up to study uh, medicine in London. Oh. oh, my God. He became a real geezer. Right. He became a real yeah. geezer. Oh, my God, get around. I'm a bit of a geezer. <laughs> so uh, from Paris, Hirschfeld, after Carl had been deported, mm. he moved to Nice, where he lived again oh, it's nice there. in a really nice apartment building with a sea view. Oh, sounds nice. <laughs> While he was in France, he continued researching, writing, campaigning. I love how Chris uh, ignored both of those. <laughs> I know. Why has he got no time for our joke? We were. You, say? you said Nice, and we me both and Gr- made a nice me, joke. <laughs> me and Masood were making great jokes. And oh, we were just like. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Oh. No, no, don't apologise. They were. No, I, 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 I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. Like Nice, nice. Now. Nah, over it, over it. <laughs> <laughs> I like them nice biscuits. Oh. A little bit French. <laughs> so he was living in an apartment in Nice, uh, he overlooking kept, the um, He kept his research and he wanted to establish another one of his institutes. Yeah. Um, so like he wanted to restart the institute again, but in France. Uh, he, how old was he at wow. this time? Though? He would have been much older, obviously. He would have 60. Been 60. In his, like, 60s. In his 60s. Uh, so he's like 60, mid-60s. Yeah. Right. While he was in France, he finished a book which he'd been writing during his tour, mm. and it was called Racism. And just, it, was it was just called that? It was just called Racism? That's great. Yeah, and it was published in ah. English in 1938. He wrote the that? book That's was to explore the racial theory which underlines the doctrine of racial war. Uh, ah, so what? He had things to teach the world? Uh, saying that he himself was numbered among the many thousands who had fallen victim to the practical realisation of this theory. Mm. That's incredible. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. I was all the way along. I've been expecting Chris to go, uh, do you like him so far? And we're going, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. he'd be and like, he goes, well, guess what? He agreed with the Nazis on other stuff. And it was <laughs> going to be like, he hated Jews. And then when you went, he was Jewish. You go, well, he kind of hated the Jews. That would be weird. I mean. <laughs> oh, uh... so this guy was basically best guy ever. Yeah. He exiled from his own country, but he survived. He's been in London. His boy, his uh, partner's been in London and he, and yeah. What, so yeah, it's okay. So what went on with this guy? His gist was oh. um, that he said in the 19th century, an ideology which divided all of humanity into biologically different races. Uh, mm. And the terms he used were the terms they used then like white, black, yellow, brown, red. Mm -hmm. right? That served as a way of turning prejudices into a universal truth, which was apparently validated by science, even though it wasn't. Right. Okay. Yeah. So in, he said that this pseudo-scientific way of dividing humanity was actually the basis of Western thinking when it comes to modernity. So, like, whites were praised as civilized uh, uh, in contrast to other races. Yes. Which were, like, dismissed for barbarism and stuff. And then eventually that leads to a justification of white supremacy. Mm. Right. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Huh. So yes. he said. In, so he argued that the racism of the Nazi regime, it was an extreme variant of prejudices that were actually held throughout the Western world. Oh. Um, mm. uh, and the differences between Nazi ideology and the racism that was practiced in other nations were different, but not in kind, just in severity. Oh right, right. right. Huh. And you'll be pleased to know, obviously that he argued against this way of thinking. Yeah. And he said, it, <laughs> he he said it. if it were practical, we should certainly do well to eradicate the use of the word race as far as subdivisions of the human species are concerned. Mm. Or if we right. do use it in this way, to put it in quote marks to show it is questionable. Yeah. Mm, this guy. God damn it. He, the, he, a lot of Twitter could learn from him. Yes. I, see. I just... Jeez. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Uh his last book was published in April 1935. <laughs> Called I Take It All Back. <laughs> yeah. I changed my I'm mind. I'm a horrible uh, in man. In the book's preface, which I will read to you, I'll read you the book's preface oh. verbatim. Mm. Yes. He describes his hopes for his new life in France. So, oh. in search of sanctuary, I have found my way to that country, the nobility of whose traditions and whose ever-present charm have already been as balm to my soul. Mm. I shall be glad and grateful if I can spend some few years of peace and repose in France and Paris, and still more grateful to being able to repay the hospitality accorded to me by making available those abundant stores of knowledge acquired throughout my career. Oh, that's great. Wow. And also, the brie here is really good. It's way better than that cheap shit Masood bought around the corner. <laughs> yeah. Jordan Peterson books. The month after that book was published, on his 67th birthday, he died of a heart attack. Oh, oh my God. So wow. it was fast. Um, he was like, there you go. I've given you my hopes and dreams for the future. Uh, pop, down yeah. he goes. What I would have liked is if he'd lived another 10 years and he got to see the rise and fall of Hitler. But mm. he got to see Hitler destroyed. Yeah. We achieved so much in that time, though. Carl was yeah. led back for the funeral. Carl was led back into France for. Oh wow! Um, oh, okay. Uh, Hirschfeld's slap, like the tombstone, the engraving, mm. reads: "Through science to justice." Ah, oh. oh my God! What an amazing oh, saying. Man. And he's he's got quite 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 the legacy, like quite the legacy. Hasn't yeah. he? Just the father, basically, of modern gender theory. That's amazing. Yeah, incredible. And so much, like, just so much, you know, there was so, such a huge body of work that's just so, 
goddamn Nazis. <laughs> goddamn Nazis. Yeah. Do you know what? Um, I don't like these Nazis. I and I'm glad that we've heard the last. About them I might the go series. as far as to say they're not good lads. They are bad no, lads. Bad bunch of lads. Bad I'm glad lads. they never got any power. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think then that Dora was victim in the attack? I'd have to say, unfortunately, for me, I think I think she, if she did escape, it wouldn't have been for very long. I don't no. think, you know, mm. and everything had changed so swiftly. You know, I imagine a lot of people have been caught out with those passports and then be like, "Oh, cool, we can identify them through this now. Let's get them yeah. all on the trains or whatever." So it's like, I think had she survived, it would have been weeks. You know, and that really sucks. Yeah, that really sucks. Yeah, hard, hard to get out of the country, especially if she, you know, she was on low wage. She didn't have masses of contacts beyond the institute. Um, but you know, wouldn't it be lovely? <laughs> I think, unfortunately, we're looking at a pix no DreamWorks Anastasia scenario. <laughs> where there's some movie made where she escapes. Yeah, she escapes. Yeah, it's it's the uh, magic worked as worked as the actress Lana Turner in Hollywood, and nobody knew, but. Uh, no, we'll make a movie for kids here. They gotta live. It's, uh, it's, hey, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll make the villain a magical wizard called Rusty. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I yeah. think unfortunately, I think she died in this attack. I think uh, I think that would yeah. And they don't keep any records yeah. of that shit. That's the other thing too. They, it's not like they would have recorded any of the deaths of that attack mm. either. So no. Ah oh, man. Awful, but. What a fascinating story. Yeah, Thanks, absolutely, Chris. Chris. And like, so fascinating to hear all of that about her as well as about, uh, you know, Magnus. What a, you know, what a, what a. Yeah, what a one of the heroes crew. of our series. Absolutely. And we don't have many heroes in our series. Yeah. Well, apart from ZZ. <laughs> <No. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh my God. Well, yeah, you know. ZZ and Magnus together, <laughs> imagine. Oh my God. The crossover event of the century. Forget Avengers. <laughs> this is the one you got to see. It's just like, Magnus is just like, Sahara, what are you doing? And he's like, tell you what I'm doing. I'm sleeping in a big bed with my wife. <laughs> and I'm like, that's weird. right. <laughs> yeah, Masood wearing, yeah, wearing a nightdress. Just like a set of different pink veils. and um, Vaguely see-through veils and a that you take off. And a, definitely a nightcap. Night <laughs> <laughs> Marabou trim slippers. <laughs> draped over a piano <laughs> Zed Zed you'll find me on the piano <laughs> play me like you play that piano Zed Zed <laughs> <laughs> and he's like I love your black and white keys and you're like slapping his hand away going no but no <laughs> thanks Chris yes, thank you, thanks Chris. so much that was an incredible tale that was and so yeah again maddening that that sort of thing is just not really widely known at all yeah, he should be so famous. I should have immediately known his name because I'm interested in this film. Uh, he's played by Bradley Whitford in Transparent. Oh, oh yes. They they uh, keep going back in time to the 20s in oh, 20s Berlin because that's where the family came from. I fucking love so, Bradley yes. Whitford. I didn't realise that was the character. Oh. I've never watched it. I mean, like it wasn't long after it came out that the Jeffrey Tambor thing. Yeah, yes. unfortunately, yeah. I was watching it, it before that. Yeah, it, it, um, and then the show had to end quite abruptly. Mm. And thank you for listening everyone yeah and also it was i thought it was a very good it was a mystery on the rocks way of doing the book burnings i guess yes like, talking about yeah. the nazis taking holds we can't just do an episode which is nazis burnt some books yeah, yeah. <laughs> like do you know what i mean it's like 
That's it. Because the stories, the 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 stories are the people that affected. Absolutely, yeah. Because that would be a very short episode, wouldn't it? Nazis, burnt books, bye. They done that. Yeah. Mystery solved. Yeah. If if you um are someone who is a bit like "Mm, all the gender critical stuff seems like yelling from both sides maybe if both sides started listening to each other um then they wouldn't accuse them of being nazis think about that go and look at what kind of books the nazis were burning we kind of tell you about it in this podcast Mm. (laughs) absolutely yeah it's just then tell me it's both sides yelling at each other (laughs) fucking dicks (laughs) (laughs) I like that slight hint of I don't know what accent was in that, but it was quite fun. You dickheads! Don't tell me, dickheads. <laughs> yes, you know where to find us. We're at Mystery on the Rocks, spelled R O X on Twitter. Um, you can also find us on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Mystery on the Rocks. Get yourself uh, lined up on them tiers. You can get some pretty sweet stuff. Also, it helps make sure that this bar slash podcast keeps going. So do you know? You know, if you're if you're around, you're like, hey, I think I could, I could throw a couple of couple of coins yeah. their way. I'm enjoying this. Get on there. Um, we haven't said bye yet. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. sorry. <laughs> um, bye. Bye. See you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. We're being egg wizards. Oh yeah. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.